Yes, here we are. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 313, and this episode is called Fantasy, Death, and the Internet. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we went out, and I did the first two shows of my new Everything is Spiritual tour, Seattle and Portland. And uh, I don't know about you, but I thought, and I remember having conversations with people about this, that when this pandemic started to end, whatever that means, honestly, when, when we began to go back out, I, I had pictured it like an explosion of life, like a giant street party. Does that sound familiar? Like, oh, when this thing is over, there's going to be all this pent-up energy and excitement, and there's just going to be like this explosive joy that's going to—it isn't like that, is it? It feels less like a street party and more like coming out of a movie theater in the middle of the day. You know that squinty feeling when your eyes are trying to adjust? Kristen and Violet and I went to a film premiere just a couple weeks ago, and we, we parked the car and we were walking through this studio to where the theater is, and we were saying to each other, like, there's going to be there's gonna be people there. <laughs> we're going to see people. This is, like, going to be social. We, we were literally, like, adjusting because we're rusty. And it was so interesting because I saw friends there that I haven't seen in, you know, two years, year and a half. And it was so wonderful to see everybody, but it also, it was like saying, oh, it's so good to see you. This is weird, isn't it? It's like everybody's rusty. And I noticed this right away um, going back out and doing shows. There's something in the air, like a God, words like tender, vulnerable. It's like there's an ache in the air. Like we've all been through something, and instead of like this exuberant, adrenalized rush to throw a giant party, it's it's almost like everybody's just slowly coming out of the cave. They were t they were telling me at the one venue I did that because um, my show was the fourth show that the Portland venue has done since they reopened, <clears throat> and they were saying that they were saying that about eighty percent of people who actually buy tickets to something actually end up showing up. So they're just building in 20% of the tickets that get sold. The people who bought those tickets just aren't going to show up. And, and obviously, I, I want everybody to be there. And yet, I found it strangely comforting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a number of people who, who, when they saw it, were like, yeah, let's go to that. And then when the moment came, we're like, eh, maybe we'll just stay home. <laughs> yeah, somehow that just summarizes perfectly this thing that we are all going through. So uh, I'm actually leaving in a couple of hours to go to Detroit, and uh, then Chicago, and then Columbus for three shows, three shows in three cities and three nights this later this week. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, New York City and Washington, D.C. And then in a couple of weeks, Atlanta and Nashville. And then in a couple of weeks after that, San Francisco. And then a couple weeks after that, uh, Denver. So, you know, I would love to see you there for 
uh, an all new everything is spiritual because there's, uh, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. There is, and people were telling me they, they it's like a, it's like in the air. It's like a parent at these shows. There's an open heartedness. There, there's a new level of something, hunger, ache. I'd even say resonance, authenticity. I don't. It's like it's even hard to put language to it. There's something happening. We we are open in new ways, and uh, yeah. So so that's what's going on now. This uh, let's talk about fantasy, death, and the internet because I've noticed how many people um, have specific questions about what I want to walk you through in this episode. Because the infinite takes form. That's the experience of being here, being, being a human. The infinite takes form, and that inherently involves fear and risk. And that has everything to do with how the internet has been shaping things. So, so here's what I mean. A couple of years ago, three years ago maybe, two and a half years ago, I go to lunch with a uh, beloved friend of mine who makes television shows. And we go get tacos, obviously. And uh, we're finishing up lunch, and we're doing that thing you do at the end of lunch with a friend. Like, so what are you doing the rest of the day? And I ask him, what are you doing the rest of the day? And he says that he's going back to watch the first rough cut of the first episode of his new show. And I said, oh, wow. Because to write a television show, to get the scripts done, to get it scouted, to get it cast, to get it all budgeted, to to go on location to actually shoot it. I mean, it takes years and years and years and years. So all the stuff that you're watching, it's like five, ten years minimum before that ever actually made it onto screen. So when he says he's about to watch a rough cut, that means for the first time he's going to see on the screen a, a rough version of what has been in the works for years and years and years. And he said something fascinating. He said, I'm going to go back. I said, what's it like to watch? That must be exciting. He said, actually, uh, and the way he articulated it, he, he basically said that he has to go through a sort of death because he says for years you're carrying around everything that the show could be. All, it's a boundless possibilities. And he said, but then there's a moment when... Uh, up on the screen comes the rough cut of the first episode, and I see what the show is actually going to be. Now, obviously, it's a rough cut, so it's going to be trimmed, it's going to be color corrected, it's going to be edited and all that, but he said, for the first time, I see what it's actually going to be. And what he described was actually like a sort of death. He said, I just have to go through this process. Uh, It always happens that way of coming to terms. It's almost like saying goodbye to everything it could be so that I can be present to what it actually is going to be. So let's follow that for a minute because creation works. And by creation, we mean you and I and what we do with our energies. We all take part in the ongoing creation of the world. So, so there is no creativity without creation and everybody at some level is participating in the ongoing creation of the world. It's all creative work. How you schedule your time, what your calendar looks like, what you do with your money, uh, how you care for your body. Yeah, it's all actually fundamentally, phenomenally creative work. 
that's why, by the way, that's why when people talk about some people are creative, some people aren't. That like, that's just a flawed view of creation, honestly. Now, some people are more tuned into how things actually are, but yeah, creation. We're 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 all playing that game. So the infinite takes on form. That's how you have a universe, a world, or anything. Infinite takes on form. So there is the possibility. Creation begins with a possibility, and the possibility is always boundless. Think about the ideas you've had, how you're going <laughs> to landscape the backyard, what might be possible with this new job, uh, what you're going to learn in that program so that you can then go do whatever it is, it's doing that business, starting that business. Oh, my God, having a kid. There's this boundless possibility at the heart of creation. It could be this, it could be that, it could be this, it could be this, it could be that. It's intoxicating at times, all that it could be. You're driving home from that job interview thinking, if I get that job, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, right, right, it's boundless. It's massive. It's that singer-songwriter friend of yours who's like, this album is going to be amazing. Yeah, 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 that's... Or you're like, okay, when we get done painting this living room, Notice how, how that moment, it sits in you. Your mind runs wild with possible scenarios. Even something as simple as a night out with some friends, the expectations, the assumptions, the hopes. We're, we're really good at this. That's how creation works. It begins with possibility, and the possibility is usually borderless and unbounded. It's, it exists within us in this massive, like almost overflowing sense of what could this be? And then you jump in and do it. All that thinking and planning and dreaming takes on form. Infinite takes on form. And you begin to learn what it actually is. It begins to have shape and texture. It begins to be incarnated. So this process of how actu things actually come into being, it goes from a possibility that has some sort of boundless, borderless essence and it begins to actually take on form, and you find out what it is. By the way, there is a brilliant line in the New Testament. Your attitude should be the same as the Christ, who being in very nature the divine, did not consider equality with the divine something to be grasped. This is from a letter to the Philippians. So it's talking about Christ, and there's this fascinating line. Christ didn't consider equality with the divine something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Now, uh, the Greeks, this word emptied is the word kenosis. Kenosis means like a self-emptying. So when we talk about the kenotic evolution, the kenotic involution at the heart of the universe, the infinite empties itself of his infiniteness in order to take 
on form. So it could be endless possibility, but in order to actually be something, it has to essentially empty itself of all of that infinite possibility in order to actually be something. It has to go from being unbordered and unboundaried to actually be something that has borders and boundaries. It's actually something you can love, grasp, see, apprehend, understand. Yeah. By the way, that's also love. Love is when you say no to all of those other possibilities in order to say yes to this person. You are not going to be all those other places. You are going to be here giving yourself to this person, to this someone, to this something. You say no to every other place you could be so that you can be here now with this person. Yeah, so there is this kenosis emptying. And so the writer in this, in this line in the New Testament says, yeah, that's the Christ. The Christ empties himself of the infinite in order to actually come and manifest an incarnation among us. And that's what we're doing for each other. When you love, that's what you're doing. Yeah, this endless, boundless, infinite love actually takes on shape and form. It limits itself to you here, now, with this person, this task, this craft, this work, this thing you're doing. So that's a whole, we could go, we could go forever on that one, but I'm just showing you this is something people have been talking about for thousands of years. So when this happens, there is, of course, all sorts of risk, because this thing it may not be everything you thought it could be. The manifestation of it, the creation of it, it has risk built into it. Creation is a risk. Yeah. This kid, turns out, has a will, and this kid could go lots of different directions. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, so if you're actually going to take part in the actual ongoing creation of the world, you're constantly going through this process. You're finding out what the first episode is actually going to look like. Yeah, you see that? I would say you go through a death. That's how things get made. That's how things come into being. You make distinctions and choices. We're going to paint the living room that color, not that color. So all the possibilities, we're going to actually have to pick and actually have to commit to that color, this, not that. So you can see how dis distinctions are, in, in many ways, the engine of creation. This person's born here, not there. You're really skilled at that, not that. It can't be every color. You have to decide, and the deciding means you die to all those other potentials so that you can be alive to whatever this actually is. <laughs> I'm laughing uh, because uh, I have some notes here for this episode, and right next to the notes, I have a, a bunch of like thumbnails of things. I wrote a book earlier this year. It's not that good. <laughs> like February, March, uh, I finished a, uh, my new book, and um, I, I sent it away, 
And I said to Kristen over the weekend after I'd sent it away uh, to a publisher, "Hey, Kristen, I don't think that I don't think that book I wrote is that good." <laughs> I had this feeling. I was like, "I don't actually know if it's even a book. I think it's. I don't know what it is. It came out. I mean, it, it, it exists, but." I just don't think it's that good. And then, and then a publisher was like, uh, basically very kindly, was like, yeah, it's not really that good. <laughs> I'm so used to this by now. Uh, you, actually, that's the goal. I'm, I'm telling you right now, team, squad goals, you get to the point where you're laughing because it's just not that good. You find out what it is. And all these potentials, all, it could be this, it could be, oh man, this book. And then you find out what it actually is, and you make peace with what it actually is. The people who do things and make things, and make them regularly with passion and integrity, they've gotten good at that death. They've made peace with the risk. They, they understand those people that you admire who just seem to just do what they do and don't seem to have all those hung up hang-ups of the, the fears and the imposter syndrome and all that kind of thing. They, they've made peace with that. Yeah, they've come to see that the that the death is all part of it. See, if you don't, then you stay in that stuck in that blissfully intoxicating state of possibility, what it could be. And that, my friends, I would call fantasy. Stuck in fantasy. Yeah. And that's what happens. All the things you would do, all the things you could, all the things it could be. It's so, and you need, at the beginning at least, you need that at some level. You need to be captured by a vision. But then it has to be incarnated. You have to go through the death of actually bringing it to being. Otherwise, you stay stuck in that, and all that energy just gets bound up and it just starts circulating. It doesn't go anywhere. This is why some people talk so much about what they're going to do and don't seem to do it. The seduction of fantasy has them in its grip because the idea, the possibility is so much better. It's so idealized. It's so perfected. It doesn't have any odd lumps or angles or angles. It's just formless and beautiful as it exists in this actually uncreated state. And the death, that's just too painful and terrifying, the risk is just overwhelming, and so it's easy to stay stuck in fantasy. I've noticed a number of people over the years have this question. They say, I have so many ideas. I have so many ideas, but I, I just don't do all my... I have so many great ideas, and I always say, great, make one. Because the person is like... And people will say to me, like, Rob, I'm just like you. I have so many ideas. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, actually, it sounds like you're in love with the fantasy of it. Honestly, that's what it sounds like. Because the person always, and I can tell you can tell on the front end of the question, there's an ache and a angst on the front end of the question. So it sounds like I'm just so inspired, I just have so many ideas, but you can you can usually hear an energetic undertone of angst because things are have become so big in the person's mind that actually finding out what those things might actually be in the real world made is too terrifying. And the, the love of fantasy has the person stuck. Because usually what happens when the person then 
their question is usually, but I don't seem to be able to make or finish anything. Yeah. It's like the idea of being an entrepreneur, the idea of being a writer, the idea of being an activist is just so intoxicating. Uh, it's like playing house. Yeah. Because if you are, let's say, let's say you are an activist, it's probably 1% inspiring speeches, and the rest is probably phone calls and emails and plane rides and follow-through. You know what I mean? All the stuff that's just not sexy at all. Those of you who know, if you're a therapist and you're a healer, you want to help the world heal, but you, you know what it actually takes. If you're a speech pathologist, if you're in healthcare, if you teach junior high students, yeah, you know that, the, that whatever the romance of that is... There's the actual everyday incarnating of it. And you know you're finding your path when you actually love the details. That's when you know you're on it. That's when you start. That's when the actual bringing it into existence in all of its rough and granular and ambiguous sometimes, like exactly what the right move is, all that when, when you actually love that. Yeah. Like, I love doing shows. I really enjoy getting the rental car. I like sitting down in my seat on the airplane. <laughs> I like a good sound check. I really do. I love this week. I will drive across the state of Ohio in a rental car. I'll love it. I'll pick some random restaurant middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, I will literally be thousands of miles from my home and family in Los Angeles. And for a few days, I will just, I love, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're way past the fantasy. You've been in this too long. The fantasy holds no, it's, it's like, yeah, that's, it's the, bringing it into existence, all the different things. Yeah, so that's actually, that's how we, I should probably do a whole Robcast on this. When you come to see the details, the administration and the paperwork as part of it, instead of, a, instead of a thing you put up with in order to do the thing that you love, when you begin to see it as an integrated whole, that's generally where the breakthrough comes. When a person starts to realize, oh wait, these emails that I've been fighting because I feel like they're not... Like, I just got to get through these emails in order to do the thing. If the emails are about the thing you love, that's actually how you integrate it all, is you begin to see that all of it is part of a whole. And for so many people, it's they're stuck in the parts. Everything got split into parts, and so it's the good parts and the bad parts as opposed to the whole, which is the thing you're doing. Yeah, that's that's one of the ways you get rescued from splitting everything up. So, this death that is required to be set free from fantasy. You, and some of you, I assume you're already leaping way ahead of me already because you realize, oh, do you see what happened with the internet? You see what happened? Is you can spout off on the internet without any skin in the game. The internet permits a person to remain stuck in fantasy. You can spout off people, anybody, for free if you have a phone, 
or a laptop can have a global broadcast platform where you can comment and rate and review. You can spend all day talking about the creation of others thinking that you are participating. But without any skin in the game, no death was required. No distinctions had to be made. This is, this is one of the reasons why the internet, for all of its good, and we're talking about the undernet here, basically. We're talking about the underbelly of the internet. That's why, in some ways, it's so incredibly mean. Because for the first time in human history, you have a way for literally millions and millions and millions of people to avoid the very real incarnational decisions and actions that creation requires, but have the platforms to spout off about everybody else. Because if somebody actually is doing something or making something, that person has overcome all those fears, they have made peace with the risk. Imagine if you haven't made peace with the risk. Imagine if you're stuck in fantasy and somebody somewhere is just doing what they do. It's terrifying. You either do your own work and face your own shadow fears, etc. You either ask yourself, why you are so canatonic and mobilized about your own life. Or if you don't do that much-needed interior work, then you've got to put it on somebody. Yeah, in some ways, that's, that's why the Internet is so mean. It's for so many people stuck in fantasy. Somebody who's gone through that death, they've seen all the possibilities and they've chosen an actual path and they're doing something. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. How come they, yeah, and especially perhaps somebody that you know from way back. It's terrifying if it's somebody you know. If that person got up off the couch and went and did something and you're still stuck on the couch, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you either ask yourself very transformative questions and do the work, go on the path, or then you have to start throwing stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about an internet comment. The comments, it's the lowest form of interaction and engagement. You don't have to be absorbed the person's body of work. You don't have to be doing anything. You don't have to take in any context. You don't even have to give your name or where you're coming from. You can anonymously throw stones with your thumbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can see this. And the reason why I say that is over the course of this lockdown, interacting with, with literally thousands of you, it was fascinating to meet so many people. You're so inspiring, doing such interesting things. So many of you with so much education and skill and experience and wisdom and all that. And yet how many people I met who are locked up and frozen because of what people will think, what people will say, what comments will be made on the internet. Yeah, this person has a next step of incarnating something in the world, um, some kenotic 
emptying so that they might love and give and serve all the more. And what's in their head is this new machinery we have of all the horrible things that people might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who aren't going through the very needed death in order to actually participate in the ongoing creation of the universe. So, when it comes to fear, there's lots and lots of ways to think about fear, but one of the ways would be there's a moment when it tips. There's a, a moment when seeing whatever it is coming into being. So, for, so whatever it is that you do, whoever it is that you are, however you move in the world, there's a moment when seeing it actually coming into being simply becomes more interesting than whatever someone may say about it. You, you are so locked in on trying it because you see that that's where your life is. That's where the life is. The life is saying yes and then doing what it takes to make whatever it is, to do whatever it is. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a moment when what somebody else may say about it or think about it, it just tips, and that just becomes... I mean, it's, it's completely boring to me at some level, but um, that's what happens. That's what happens is you stay focused on that. You stay focused on that. And when that happens, you become indestructible. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when, you've, when you're listening, because it, it comes, it comes. It's a nudge, it's a whisper, it's a bullhorn in the ear. It's that sense of restlessness. It's that sense that there's a next step to take. When you become locked in on that, when that becomes your intention, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the ways people, that's one of the many ways people move beyond their fears. Oh, by the way, side note, which really isn't a side note, because as we know, there are no tangents. God, that's a great t-shirt. That's a great book title. Hold on. I'll write that down. <laughs> there are no tangents. Whew. Yeah, there are no tangents. Uh, parents, dear parents everywhere, stop wishing your kid was somewhere else. <laughs> Right? This is who the kid is. This is who showed up. You wanted to have kids? This is who showed up. This is who you brought into your home. This is who you made. Yeah. Stop wishing your kid was somewhere else. Someone else. Because they know. They know. They know if you wish they were someone else. Yeah. They have superpowers. Everybody does which means your kid has things that they're going to be great at and things that they aren't that great at. Deal with it. Make peace with it. This is who showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter where you want them to go to college. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> where do they want to go? <laughs> oh, God, the number of parents I've interacted with of all this anxiety because their kid isn't all these things. And you're like, well, who is your kid? Oh, well, they just, and then they go back to a list of things their kid is. It's stop, <laughs> right? Make peace. You took a risk. 
This is who showed up. This is who your kid is. Go with it. I'm telling you, it is five million times more fun to celebrate who this kid is turning out to be. Then you can actually join in and follow it and see who they want to be, see where it's going, all of you together. Oh, how much fun is that? Yeah. Woo, yeah, you see how all this, the infinite takes on form. Yeah, it all goes back. Kenosis, Philippians chapter 2. Like this, this is the thing that's happening. This is who we are. This is what this entire thing is. How'd the world get here? Spirit manifested form. How'd the, how'd the solar system, how the universe, how did, how was there a big bang 13.8 billion years ago? Yeah, the infinite took on form. The ultimate kenotic involution. Infinite spirit emptied itself of its infinity in order to actually enter into particles. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole thing that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, a couple thoughts here. Super practical about all this. First, uh, you quietly and humbly go about doing what you do. This is a mantra that I repeat to myself often. When, I, when I'm off, when I'm, uh, when I have whatever it is, self-doubt, when I feel lost, when I'm, I, I quietly, humbly go about doing what I do. Yeah. So the possibilities, all the things you're thinking about, it's probably good not to tell a lot of people. Um, it's probably good only to tell certain people who you are telling them what you're thinking about desires, dreams, hopes, plans. It's probably only good to bring people into that who can help you process it and think about it so that you can actually do it. But you'll often notice people take their anxieties and express them in the form of constant chatter about what they're going to do, and you realize all that energy could be spent actually doing it. Yeah, so you intentionally, selectively, particularly bring certain people in. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Can I run up a couple ideas by you? For the purpose of helping you get clearer on what it is that is the next step. Obviously, I assume I've said this before on the Robcast. Obviously, you realize I don't tell you stuff I'm working on. Like on the Robcast or publicly, I don't talk about what I'm working on because a long time ago, I just decided to be somebody who actually tries to make stuff, even like that book earlier this year, even if it's rubbish, because it's generally there's lots of rubbish, um, and you don't know. So it's better just to hold it tight and spend all that energy on actually doing it. Second, uh, there's always a next step. Always. Always. There's always a next step. When you are in the present and calm and centered and listening, you'll get your next step because it's all you need. It's actually all you need. If you got more, it would clutter it. And then there'd be a whole bunch of discernment just to figure out which is the next. So you're actually only ever looking for a next step. This is very, very hard for complicated, advanced, modern people who see themselves as quite sophisticated. 
I've, I've, the number of people I've noticed watched go through this process. I just kept asking questions, and in the end, the next step was actually rather, I would say, simple, elegant, almost innocent. And the number of people who are shocked at how what felt like a giant, confusing problem revealed itself to be a next step. And generally, it's something they knew the whole time. But we have a tremendous ability to clutter it, to make it more complicated than it is. And then you throw in the voices of others. The number of people I've worked with who are like, my brother-in-law says that I... Or people who are like, you know, everybody says I should. And then they say, write a book, start a thing. Like, wait, 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 wait. What do you say? Listen. Listen to your deep knowing. Yeah, there's always a next step. There's always a next step. And it will... Okay, yeah, I can say it all the time. It will always be more simple and possible uh, than you first realized. Which leads me to third. Um, I've noticed an extraordinary number of people who are stuck, who are all locked up, because they're actually two or three steps ahead. The number of people I've interacted with who are working, are doing something, and they, they feel very stuck, but they're concerned about how it's going to be received. Um, if, you, if you want to end up making and doing not much, then worry about how people are going to react to it before you even started doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean by staying present and doing the next step. You cannot do something interesting if and compelling to you if you're already concerned about how it's going to be received. You, you don't even know what it is. You're still learning what it is. So, try, or, or uh, I have observed people who are trying to figure out what this impulse, this nudge, this desire, this calling is, and they're trying to figure out what it is, and they're frustrated because other people um, aren't supporting them. And it's like, wait, wait, you don't even know what it is. How would this person know what it is? You're asking somebody to affirm something that you're not quite sure what it is. So just quietly forget them. Quietly go about you learning what it even is. Do you see how learning is such a huge word here? You're learning. Yeah, yeah, there's a wonder and awe in learning. It's like you're following your curiosity, so just enjoy that. See what it is. Yeah, see what it is. Yeah. Yeah, ask yourself how much of your anxiety is because you're three or four or five steps ahead. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Right now, we're, we're just learning what it is. Fourth, how often do I number things, by the way? Somehow, we're in a numbering mood. Fourth point about all this. You're playing a long game here. You're playing a long game. All that, like, oh, you only have this life, you better... You, uh, you better cram it all in. Get out. That's just not, that's just a warped understanding of time. All that, like, you just get one life. You got to get everything out of it. Oh, please, get out of here, Instagram motivational speaker person. <laughs> no, you don't. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're here. There's plenty of time. Yeah, it's not, it could be too late. It's not too late. What in the world? Please. You're playing a long game. So, whatever this is, that you're bringing into being. It may not be what you wanted it to be. It may be a bit of a turd. Of course. Of course, you may start that business and it may bomb. 
You may do it a second time, it may bomb. Yeah, of course. What did you think? You would Everything you try, you'd know how to do the first time you did it? That's weird. Do you know anybody who everything they tried, they were good at it, and they'd never done it before? That is like a weird... I don't want to sit next to that person at a dinner party. Yeah, that person be awful, right? Everything I do, I just try it. The first time I do it, I just know how to do it. It's weird. It just comes like, get out! Get out! You're playing a long game here. Let's go back to the kid. The, the, the kid. Yeah. You're learning who this kid is. So let's set up the house this way. Let's set up the kid's schedule this way. Let's put him in that school. Let's see if that works. Oh, that doesn't work. Okay, let's try something else. Let's take him here. Let's take him there. Let's try that. Let's, right? Like, you're learning. You're learning. So it may be a bit of a turd. This thing that you've been working on, oh my God, the number of writers I've worked with who are like frustrated because their first book isn't awesome. It, yeah, you have to like write and write and write and write and write. Where did we get this idea? Yeah, where people are like, oh man, I got this idea for business, but I tried that before. Or I, I did that job before and it just was a mess. So I can't do that again. What do you, what? Now is the time you do try that job again. Because you did it before and it was a, a mess. Yet yeah, now, now you have a much better chance. <laughs> Think of what you learned before. Oh, man. It's all part of it. Yeah. I think maybe my percentages are higher than they used to be. Because I make a ton of stuff and it's not great. I don't know what the percentages were earlier. I think I'm getting better. Like right now. Uh, this, I have this pages document on my laptop open here and it has these notes for this episode of the Robcast. But if I just scroll down, I have a bunch of notes for other episodes. There's an episode here called Kicking Against the Goads. <laughs> it's going to do an episode on Kicking Against the Goads. I have one here on Oh, I have one here about this moment that we're leaving a movie theater in the middle of the day. Oh, that's a line I used at the beginning of this episode. I was going to do a whole episode just on that line, but I'm like, that's not that good. I ran it by Kristen, and she was like, nah, it's not that good. <laughs> what else do I got here? All right, look at these ideas. Look at these ideas. I'm looking at these ideas. Some of them, uh, I have an episode here called I Am At Dogs. I probably will do that one. That's pretty sweet. Um let me look what else. Like, I don't know. Maybe you'll hear some of this. Maybe you won't. Some of it's probably some turds in there. Actually, a couple of them are like even scrolling through it. I'm like, that's not a good idea. I mean, at some point, I thought that might have been a good Robcast. That's not going to be that good <laughs> Robcast. Yeah, we're playing a long game. We're playing a long game. You're learning. You're trying things. Yeah, you're losing some money. Took that class and realized, I don't want to do this. Yeah, you did that job. And a couple years in, you're like, whoa, this is this, this, I'm out. Yeah, of course. Of course. Fifth. As long as we're going to number, let's go fifth. Five feels like the right number to land the plane on. You can get good at this. And by this, I mean the death that rescues you from fantasy. Because that's what it does. You get these ideas. You get these possibilities. It's intoxicating. It's exciting. It's alluring. <gasps> Your curiosity is peaked. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. And then you actually take a step. And when you take a step in this direction, you can't also at the same time take a step in 45 different other directions. So you took a step in this direction, which means you said no to all those other directions. That's a death of sorts. You took death to all those other possibilities so that you can live to this possibility. And you may later be like, that was not the right step to take. Okay, great. Then we'll try it again. We'll try going in a different step. You can, you can get 
really good at this. Uh, you can, it's like a musculature you can build up. And the death that rescues you from fantasy, you can get very good at blocking out all those other voices. You can just not go on the internet. Like just, you just don't go on comments. You just don't listen. Certain people you just don't listen to. Other people you do because they help you be you and bring it into an incarnation. Other people, you realize they've never helped you be you. Okay, good. Then you don't listen. That You're not interested. Yeah, you intentionally have particular blinders. By the way, the people who love you the most are the people who will tell you the truths that you need to hear. So this idea, well, I don't just want to have, like, right, I just don't want to have people around me always telling me that everything's great. No, actually, the people who love you and support you the most, those are the people who will tell you the truth. Like, hey, actually, this draft of that book isn't that good. Yeah, but it's the person who actually believes in you that actually is capable of telling you the the most difficult truths. That's who you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can play a long game here. Yeah, so you're holding the whole thing looser. You don't have expectations that you would nail it out of the gate. You're learning how to spot all those possibilities and watch them narrow into an actual incarnation. Yeah, yeah. It's how the universe came into being. It's how creation works. Yeah, it's kenosis at its finest. It's your life. Yeah, yeah. So my friends, may you be rescued from fantasy through the death that is how things get made and done, because that is where the joy is. And may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.